Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and welcome to the show where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. Today, we're going behind the numbers with our Michael Anderson, and we're going to be talking about the psychology and neuroscience of leadership. Michael's a three times business, three times business founder and author of the Leadership Mindset 2.0. Michael, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Hi, Dave. Great to be here. That's a pleasure to have you. Michael, before we jump into the depth of the conversation, I want to start with your backstory. Tell the audience a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are. David, I like to, I like to say I know a lot about leadership because I screwed a lot of leadership stuff up and I was uh, I really struggled. Um, the, the short story is, I, you know, I started as a programmer. I worked my way up the corporate ladder. Um, I, I got to move to Europe and Asia with, with a large software company. I moved back to California, started my first software company, and there was a gap in the marketplace, and we started to have some success. So here I am in my mid-30s with a, with a software company. We're making money. We're starting to get some traction. I was on the front page of the newspaper. You'd think everything would be great, but it certainly wasn't because – even though we were having success, and it's great because it's called behind the numbers. If you talk about behind the numbers, I was a, I was a mess. It was, I felt like such a fraud, because all of a sudden I have this team. This team's looking to me for for vision, purpose, culture. Uh, I knew what those things were intellectually, but I didn't know how to to get my organization to a thriving culture, to really deliver this value, to be the type of leader that they wanted me to be. I was a good business person. I was, I was, I'm smart. I understand the technology, but the leadership thing eluded me, and um, and uh, uh, the and then I had something happen in my life that really, really threw everything out of out of um, out of kilter. I had a, a business partner that I gave some equity to, and he and I had a disagreement, and we really. Um, saw things from a different point of view and he got so angry that he assaulted me he hit me so on on april 1st 2007 i got assaulted in my own office um and that sent me into a bit of a depression and, and a spiral because the next day i had to have a armed guard handing him his his restraining order and um and he started a competitor we got this massive lawsuit spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and i really i i, I was just the, the the pressure was just too much for me. I almost went into a, yeah, and, and anyway, I had some great people around me and I got out of it. But anyway, David, that's how my leadership entrepreneur story started. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that to sort of set the stage for what's going to follow here because it's, it's not every day that you get a wake-up call in the manner that you did that sets you on a new course. And it, it's really interesting in how you responded to it. So let, let's talk about the leadership mindset, and your book is Leadership Mindset 2.0. So there's a shift here, obviously, that we're moving in a new direction. Tell us a little bit about that, Michael. Yeah, exactly right. Because you know, back then, before I I I, I know what I know now, I was you could call it Leadership Mindset 1.0 or the the, the top-down method of leadership, where. I'm in charge. I'm going to tell everybody what to do. I mean, I thought leadership was just getting a bunch of to-dos in and, and giving and handing them out. And if people didn't get them done as fast or as well as I thought, I would just get frustrated and sometimes angry. And of course, that doesn't work. And, you know, what I did is I'm like, look, I really got to fix this thing. So I ended up finding the, this, this the, the, and earning a master's degree in spiritual psychology. And it, it's, 
not to do with religion, but it's a very compassionate view of psychology. And we learned six different psychoanalysis techniques, but we learned them from a place of pure compassion. And when I started applying them to my, when I started applying what I learned there to my leadership, we really started to have success. And that's where the 2.0 comes in because um, I was really truly connecting to my employees. I was listening to them. I was treating them more as humans and with empathy. And we were delivering great value to our clients and we were giving back to the community. Um, and that's, and once we started doing that, we started to have external success. We were voted, we were on the Inc. 5000 list a couple of years in a row. We were voted the number one best place to work and I won Social Entrepreneur of the Year. That was externally, but internally, I was finally having fun as a leader. Because up until then, it was just one big barrel of uh, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, um, stress, and everything else. But when I started to apply what I learned, in, and I, I later got a neuroscience certificate, what I learned what makes me tick and what makes other people tick, and that's really when my leadership took off. And that's why I wrote Leadership Mindset 2.0, because now that I understand, you know, a programmer, what makes us tick, you know, <laughs> then I like to, to, to it, it was a very difficult journey for me, and I really enjoy helping other leaders um, get there, hopefully before getting assaulted by their business partner. Yeah, for sure, and I really want to drill into this because we do talk a lot about leadership on this program, and there's a lot of different components of leadership, as you well know, but I teased at the top of the show that we're going to be talking about leadership from the perspective of the psychology and the neuroscience behind it. And I really want you to go a little bit deeper for us, if you don't mind, and explain what that means and how you're bringing that into your day-to-day. -day. Yeah, what was really interesting to me, David, about, and I'll just give you like one of the key concepts that basically everything else stems from, our consciousness has two different aspects to it. It has our authentic self and our ego. And our authentic self is sort of our resting self. When everything is good and fine and safe, we're in our authentic self. And that's the place where we connect to people, we're creative, we, we, we are, very good leaders come from their authentic selves. Our ego is when our amygdala, you know, from a neuroscience standpoint, um, uh, determines that there's a threat. And then it, it, it hits the HPA axis, that hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and, and adrenal glands pump basically chemicals into our bloodstream to tell us that we should be on guard. Now, that used to be really helpful for us, you know, 10,000 years ago when we had to fight like man-eating dinosaurs, but it really doesn't help us when we're in a board meeting and we can ask a difficult question. So what happens is we shift into our ego when our body, our mind, our chemicals are trying to think we have to protect ourselves. But that's when we're, that's when poor leadership shows up. Because when we're in our ego, that's where micromanaging comes in. That's when we don't become transparent, when we keep everything in. That's when we don't empower. That's where that top-down leadership comes from because we, it takes courage and it takes connection. And it takes empathy to, 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 to lead from the authentic self. But when we're in our ego, that's when really we, we, we um, shut other people down. We keep everything to ourselves. And, we, and we're trying to protect ourselves from the psychological and neuro, neuroscientific standpoint. And that's really what, what leaders need to really understand is when they are in their ego and when other people are in their ego, to, to really shift themselves or the other people into their authentic selves. Yeah, and it's interesting when you talk about you know, when the amygdala kicks in, uh, 
underpinning that is fear, fear of something, right? And we're all generally operating in some fear mode, fear of meeting next month's numbers, next quarter's numbers, next year's numbers, meeting the budget, whatever it may be, there's always a component of fear, I think, from the leaders that I've spoken to, there, there seems to be. So what's your counsel for those folks who are watching and listening who are you know, approaching a meeting and being even just fearful of speaking in that meeting? How do they navigate through that? Well, the, the, the easiest, quickest thing you can ever do is ask yourself, are you, in, like if I'm about to go in a meeting, I can say, am I in my ego or am I in my authentic self? And if you're in your ego, you're going to realize it because most people we can tell, like we're a little bit contracted, you know, maybe I, I feel anxiety. And it's interesting, David, because just by asking yourself, am I in my ego or my authentic self, it brings the awareness and it brings the presence in. Because, uh, you know, we only are, are in our ego when we're either worried about what we did potentially screw up or what people did think, think about us in the past or we're worried about something in the future. And so it's, it's a really interesting question to say, am I in my ego or am, am I in my authentic self? Because you can never be in both. You can be further in your ego or you can be further in your authentic self or you can be in neutral. But what you can do is, is if you ask yourself that, you'll probably pop the neutral and you can say, hey, what would it look like right now if I was in my authentic self? And, you know, maybe you do have a difficult conversation with a, with a customer that's a bit difficult or maybe a, a manager that sometimes intimidates you. And just by saying, hey, I'm, I'm really going to work for my authentic self here. And if I catch myself going into that ego state, and that might mean because I feel anxiety or whatever, I'm just really going to work on keeping myself into the authentic self. And, and that's it's sometimes as simple as that. Yeah, so what I'm hearing underpinning that is kind of the mindfulness being in the present moment situation when you're asking that question. And it, it certainly takes practice and awareness to do that. But uh, from what people have said, that's where the magic seems to happen. Michael, we're getting close to a commercial break here. But before we do that, why don't you tell the audience uh, how they can connect with you, if they want to learn more, if they want to get the book, where they can do that, and how they can work with you. Yeah, really simple. It's leadershipmindsetthebook.com, leadershipmindsetthebook.com. And, uh, and or if you want to contact me directly, it's rmichaelanderson.com, rmichaelanderson.com, uh, and that'll get, get you right to me. Great. So in the control room, this is a good spot for us to take a break. Michael, you sit tight. We're going to pay a few bills here on Behind the Numbers, and we'll be right back after this quick break. Aloha. Joe Silva here with Kakua Technologies. I'm excited to see you on Tuesdays on Morning Coffee for our tech tips. Let's face it, lawyers get a bad rap. I'm Erin Bruschi, host of Legal Breakdown, where we dissect legal topics for the everyday viewer with a mix of interesting guests to talk about current events and hot legal topics. Let's work together to make the law accessible and relevant to everyone. Catch us every week on RVN Television. A stroke can be easy to detect. A loved one can't speak. Perhaps they can't move. But there's another sign of a stroke that many of us can't see. It's called spatial neglect, and it can occur during or after a stroke, causing distorted visual movements. Fortunately, there's a solution by using optical prism technology during rehabilitation. 
If you or a loved one have experienced a stroke, ask your doctor about spatial neglect. Spatial neglect. See the whole picture at KesslerFoundation.org. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and we're talking with R. Michael Anderson, who is a three-time business founder and author of the book, Leadership Mindset 2.0. Michael, welcome back to the second segment here at Behind the Numbers. I, I want to continue uh, just to close the loop on where we finished off on the first segment before we had to go to commercial break. We were talking about centering yourself, understanding uh, whether you're acting as your authentic self or whether you're more in ego mindset mode. Um, what's your advice then in terms of leading others as you're in that moment, discerning where you are? Well, when it comes to lead, leading others, just like everything that I teach, for, you can use on yourself, you can, you can use with others from this standpoint. And if we take that in this case, that means if you're ever talking to somebody, it's a great question to ask yourself, are they in their ego or their authentic self? Because if you have, if you have an employee that's, for example, not, not, um, not performing, and you have uh, you're having a sit-down meeting with them and they're in their ego they're trying to protect themselves it's going to be a lot more difficult of a conversation than if you can get them into their authentic self and that means creating safety for them and having an open conversation and yes sometimes you have to deliver bad news and sometimes they know it's coming but the, the more you can you, the more the, per, the 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 receiver of your conversation the other party or the other parties maybe you're you're talking to your whole team the more, the, the, the more people are in their authentic selves, the more creative they're going to be, the more honest they're going to be, the more they're going to participate, and, and the more that your message is going to, to resonate with them. And so that, I think that's the job of a great leader as well, is to move their team or, or whoever they're, they're communicating with into their authentic selves as well. And speaking of moving teams and shifting a mindset, let's talk about how leaders can go from maybe something that's tactical to something that's more strategic and my spider sense tells me it's moving from ego to authentic self but i'm going to let you answer that <laughs> it is believe it or not it's a mindset shift <laughs> dave um yeah so a lot of i hear from a lot of leaders hey i need to be be more strategic or my team needs to be more strategic and or the people who report to me need that and that's not about having a strategy that's about making, showing up to, to meetings and, and having a more strategic conversation, connecting with people on a more strategic level. Um, and we're never taught these things. And, and, you know, as if you're a good doer, you get promoted. So, hey, you're really good tactically. And so we're going to move you into this strategic role where you start, have to start coming up with strategies and strategic, strategically implementing. But your muscle that's developed is your tactical muscle. So this is a natural progression that, that's not often taught, and, and a lot of people get frustrated with it. And th there's a lot to moving from tactical to strategic. But if I can tell everybody out there listening to this that, that's maybe struggling with this, being strategic is, is you know, and Dave even said it's, it's a mindfulness exercise because you, you're never strategic if, you're, if your mind's busy all the time. And what you may want to do is start, if you're getting into a more strategic role, is to put blank times in your calendar for half an hour or an hour, once or twice a week, where you do strategic thinking. You don't think strategically by scrolling through Facebook or, you know, doing a LinkedIn post. 
You think strategically by reflecting and working creatively. And that might mean taking a walk outside. That might be, uh, you know, taking, uh, making sure you're taking enough time off. Or it just may be taking some reflection time in the middle of the day with you and a, and a piece of paper and a pen where you just roll out some, some things. But if you're busy all the time, you're right. You're not going to be strategic. You have to, to intentionally put that into your schedule. Yeah, and maybe on a related note, where have you seen leaders getting stuck the most? And what's the mindset shift that needs to happen to get them out of that space? Yeah, there's some really interesting blind spots that come up time after time. And, and a lot of times what happens is, this is interesting, Dave, um, competitive people love to win. But what happens is when competitive people have some success and they get known as that really great salesperson or they get known as that really great, uh, you know, they, uh, they do a great product release, whatever it is, that becomes part of their identity. And our identities are really important to ourselves. But the thing is, we, we love our identities, so oftentimes we don't want to take risks to upset that identity. So what they found is, and that's why a lot of these tech companies are started by really young people that uh, almost don't know any better, because once the, the further you are in your career, the less you want to take risks, because you don't ever want to tarnish that internal image of yours. And so when we talk about mindset, and I really love to work on these self-limiting beliefs of, of hey, you know, I, I created, we create these worlds inside of ourselves and they're so important to our ego because our ego doesn't want these to be broken down. And so we do things like stop taking risks. Uh, we stop learning new things and we like to play in our comfort zone. And as, as, as much as us old people hate to, to, to say we, we, you know, move out of your comfort zone, we're sometimes the, the worst culprits of that. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I hear that quite a bit from leaders and uh, wondering what, where, where do they go, Michael? How, how do they become transformational? Like what, what's the jump that has to happen in their mind to, to break through those limiting beliefs? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a strong intention to really go deep um, because, you know, when I work with people, maybe they're 55, 60 years old, they've been a CFO or a CTO or a CEO for a bunch of years, you know, they, they have a lot of the tactical type you know, they know how to run meetings, they know how to, you know, have difficult conversations, some of the different things I talk to, to younger people about, but they, they also are really great about hiding and creating a mask. And I've never met a really, really successful person that wasn't holding things in. And this could, you know, I, I facilitated a YPO reach, uh, um, forum retreat where there's eight business owners, two of them own businesses doing over $2 billion a year. And, both, and all of them said that they still, uh, they, they still feel like a fraud at some points in their life. They still feel like they, they still get stuck with imposter syndrome. The thing is, they're just really good at hiding it, and they, they're really good at not telling anybody and putting on that mask. So there's so many different ways people hold, hold themselves back. And because they're subconscious, they're so difficult to find. But if you ever want to find some of your subconscious beliefs, just um, take one piece of paper and write about your father, flip the paper over, write about your mother, and then see how all those, see how their behaviors map up to your current behavior. Um, but give yourself a little bit of time because it's probably going to blow your mind. <laughs> Michael, talk about what we can find inside of the book, Leadership 2.0. Kind of give us an overview of what folks can expect to learn from that, and then where can they get it? 
Yeah, great, David. And, and you know, what, what the, the first part, I have, I have a four-step system. In the first part, we do a lot of unlearning. So it's about unpacking those self-limiting beliefs. And that's the fun part because there's a lot of stuff down there. And then it's about really rewiring. So we took out the, the stuff that could be holding you back. And then now we want to build up that great, amazing confidence and self-esteem, not arrogance, but just a, a humble confidence in yourself because that's what people are really, really drawn to. And then we talk about leading others. How do you have difficult conversations? How do you create a great culture? And then I work on, like you, you mentioned before, how do you become a strategic influential leader? So it really walks everybody through those four steps. And then it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's going to be on all the different formats and all the bookstores, but if you go to leadershipmindsetthebook.com, leadershipmindsetthebook.com, it'll point you to, to wherever's most um, uh, convenient for you to purchase it to, to read. Yeah, and what I'm hearing in that is that if you're going to be a great leader, if you intend to be a better leader, uh, you've got to get your own act together first before you can expect to have influence on others. Kind of grab your own oxygen mask first. And when you talk about the, the rewiring and so forth, as you know from our, our pre-conversation, that, that resonates a lot with me. And I'm, I'm curious, as you're speaking about this, do things like subliminal messaging and affirmations help with any of that reprogramming, or is that just too superficial? Well, it absolutely can. And, you know, what I've learned about from myself and other people is, is different things work on different people. And so th that's why I really encourage everybody to experiment a little, you know, whether it's an affirmation or whether it's a meditation and these things. And, and don't get caught up into did, did it work for somebody else or did it work? And just be experiential and, um, and give it a try yourself. Um, because, you know, there's so much out there and, and I, I have a bias for action. So if you, if you read something in my book or, you know, hear something on Dave's podcast or wherever it is, just do it for a week. See if it works. If it does, do it more. If it doesn't, just go on to the next thing. There's so many great solutions out there. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about who you're working with day to day. I know you've got some programs and some speaking that you do. Talk a little bit about that, Michael. Folks in the audience may be interested in learning more. Yeah, absolutely. I do. Some, I do a lot of keynote speeches. Um, I, I just actually went to Saudi Arabia for its first time last week, which, which was amazing. So companies will, will bring me in for for the inspiration because, you know, again, I really love what I what I teach because it's so ubiquitous. Everybody runs through this tactical to strategic. Everybody, so many people get caught up. The eighty two percent of people get caught up into imposter syndrome, and so I, I actually just got off the phone with my buddy from SAP, who's reading a pre copy of the book, and he said. Man, it's like this is written just for me. I feel so good that it's, that that I'm not the only pe person going through this, and I love that because look, leadership's hard. It's weird. It's not natural. <laughs> I mean, and 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 if you're out there and you're a leader and you're struggling a little bit, that's okay. That means you're pushing yourself and you're getting to the next level. That doesn't mean you have to stay there. But a little bit of uncomfortableness, a little bit of self-doubt means that you've just you, you just challenge yourself. Now there's a lot of tools you can learn to really get over that and get through that quickly. But if you keep getting in leadership positions and you're not challenging, you're not, and you're not like a little bit worried or stressed, that's a little weird. <laughs> so, you know, you're on the right track, right? But, you know, there's also a lot of help and, and school, skills and tools you can learn to, to, to make that a very uh, smoother and, and easier progression. Yeah, you mentioned the term imposter syndrome a couple of times during the course of this program. So I, I, I want to actually hit on that for just a little bit, if you can. We only have a few minutes to go here in the program, Michael, maybe about three minutes left here. But I want, to, want you to talk about imposter syndrome. I had read somewhere that, to your point, 
most people do suffer from it at some point, but it seems that the ones who are suffering from imposter syndrome are actually the ones who are better prepared and more qualified than the ones who are not thinking that they're imposters. Talk a little bit about the phenomenon of imposter syndrome and what can leaders do to overcome that? Yeah, you know, some studies have shown, there's a lot, been a lot of different studies, some studies show that actually high achieving people experience imposter syndrome more. And that's because they keep, they keep pushing themselves to get into these higher level positions and then all of a sudden, you know, the reality hits. And I believe that imposter syndrome is, is, is a natural ego. Your, our ego doesn't like change. And so we get into these places and our ego is like, whoa, I can't handle this right now. And so just remember your, the, the ego, the imposter syndrome is your ego not being able to be in control. And so that's actually a good and can be even a fun place to be. I don't want to get too caught up in the fun. But when you experience imposter syndrome, you can say, hey, you know what? I can appreciate that I am experienced this because I've chosen to really take some risks and put myself into a place that everything isn't comfortable and out of my quote unquote comfort zone, as, as people say. Um, and, and so all that is, is your ego trying to protect yourself. Yeah. And it's a get in about recentering yourself, being aware in the present moment and uh, being careful that people don't see you talking to yourself as you're trying to catch yourself in that moment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or if they do, just laugh at them. It's all good fun, right? Yeah. Hey, Michael, this is really a great conversation. Hopefully, we can have you back sometime. I'd love to have uh, a deeper dive here on this topic with you. But unfortunately, time goes very quickly here, and we're out of it here at Behind the Numbers. Well, thanks, Dave. And, and hopefully, if you're a leader out there listening to this, the, the, just to let you know, you're, you're on the right track. Um, there's a lot you can do to do it, but hey, man, it, it, leadership isn't meant to be simple. Otherwise, everybody would do it. There you go. And uh, definitely check out Michael's book, Leadership Mindset 2.0. As he mentioned, it's available everywhere. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. You can find me on LinkedIn, and I'm always happy to have a conversation. Thanks again to you at home watching, listening. Please crush that subscribe button so you stay in touch with us and know when the next episode drops, which is usually every week. Until we talk again, you guys take care. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and this is Behind the Numbers.